You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, the voices behind the headlines. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Since 2012, foie gras has been off the menu in California restaurants. Banned by the state legislature originally in 2004 and then put into place finally in 2012, all of that changed last week when a federal judge ruled that the California law interfered with existing federal law that exclusively regulated poultry products. My guest, esteemed chef and restaurateur Ken Frank, has been one of the leaders in the fight to overturn that ban. It was reported in the L.A. Times last week that he was jumping up and down for joy when the news came from the courts. He's the longtime chef and proprietor at Latoque. He's currently serving as president of the Napa Chamber of Commerce. And it is my pleasure to welcome him here to NapaBroadcasting.com. Ken, thanks so much for coming in. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Talk a little bit about uh, what got you involved in this fight originally. I mean, certainly a lot of people took up the cause, but you were one of the leaders of the cause. Uh, foie gras, fresh foie gras first became available in the United States in the mid-1980s. Previous to that, there were no farms in the, in the United States that produced foie gras. And raw foie gras, which is what you need to be able to cook it in a number of interesting and creative ways, uh, was illegal because you can't import raw poultry products from other continents. Uh, so the foie gras we were getting from France was either pâté or mi-cuit or mousse. It was always a prepared form, and it wasn't really the platform for creativity for chefs that fresh raw foie gras gives you. I mean, that's really the gold standard. Uh, in the mid-'80s, um, a couple of farms uh, started up, um, first in uh, New York and Hudson Valley, and then in California. There were a couple in California for a while. Um, there are really only two now. But, I mean, going back nearly 30 years ago, I did, I mean, foie gras has long been one of my favorite ingredients. It is delicious, period. But nearly 30 years ago, um, I wanted to see for myself what it was all about. Uh, because it, it's always been somewhat controversial and certainly always been misunderstood. So I flew to Northern California. I was picked up at the airport by Guillermo Gonzalez and went to visit uh, Sonoma Foie Gras in their original location. Um, I spent the day, uh, watched the ducks being fed, met the Gonzalez family, met the people that worked there, um, saw ducks in every phase of the operation, and was really surprised at um, what a great little farm it was. Uh, I will tell you that I was half expecting to come back to Los Angeles after seeing what I expected I might see and take foie gras off the menu forever and, in fact, become an advocate for its removal from menus. But what I found was the contrary. I found ducks that were in no, no pain. I found ducks that weren't afraid and, and frightened. I saw people taking very good care of them, that cared for them. Um, and I found no reason uh, except to be proud that foie gras produced, at least at a great farm, could be produced with a great deal of humanity. Now, you grew up and spent a lot of time in France. You speak fluent French. To what extent is, has that helped shape your view about this? It's not something that Americans grasp in quite the same way, so it seems. You know, living in France as a teenager uh, in a small village with a farm certainly informs how I think about farming. Uh, but, you know, I come from a farming family. Uh, my grandfather was born on a farm uh, in the late 1890s 
in uh, what is now essentially Burbank, California. Grew up on a farm. Uh, I remember as a young boy, he would take me to visit the family dairy, and we would watch the cows being milked. So I've, I've been comfortable and familiar with farming for a long time. Uh, it's, it's a noble profession. It's uh, misunderstood. And certainly in the last decades, it's been transformed by factory farming. And there are some serious issues we need to consider with factory farming. Why has there been such outrage, it seems, to the point where the legislature had to get involved or tried to get involved in 2004 and finally went into effect in 2012 in opposition to, to this farming when, as you say, if, if you go to Sonoma, see what they're doing there, it's not what you hear. There is, in fact, a small, very well-organized, uh, fanatical and vocal opposition to all meat. Uh, it's going to be really difficult for them to ban bacon and hamburgers and chicken fingers. That's just not going to happen in America today. Uh, foie gras is an easy target. Uh, it's easy to conflate a duck with a person and think about feeding. and It's an easy target to spin into a barbaric process. But at the end of the day, that's a very dishonest argument. Um, they will show you, you know, videos that they've taken on the sly of sick and injured ducks. And, you know, there was testimony in 2004 from a, a veterinary expert at UC Davis who had visited Sonoma Foie Gras and found that, in fact, the, the mortality at Sonoma Foie Gras was less than the average mortality uh, in a backyard flock of ducks. Uh, I know that the mortality rates at foie gras farms today are still considered very, very low by poultry standards. Uh, but this evidence was ignored because there were a lot of people in the audience holding up pictures of cute little ducks. And, you know, when the legislature is confronted by cute, furry little animals or Donald Duck, all reason goes out the window. Uh, and that was certainly the case here. John Burton took great advantage of that uh, and essentially bullied the committee into uh, passing this law. Uh, it was very, very close. He kept having to water down the language uh, in order to get votes and finally came up with this eight-year transitional period. Uh, I was there. I know the deal. Uh, I remember talking with uh, Guillermo and his uh, advisors about it uh, outside the Capitol the day that it went down. And the deal was supposed to be that then the state of California would spend those eight years to study and determine whether, in fact, modern foie gras farming uh, was humane or not. And Guillermo was confident that it would be found to be the case, and that's why he took the deal. Uh, he was double-crossed. As many people have uh, found, and John Burton can speak with a forked tongue. Um, and we ended up with a law going into effect on July 1, 2012. It does not surprise me that it was finally struck down. Uh, it could be struck down on a number of grounds. Uh, we found one where it was particularly vulnerable. I think it's going to be difficult for activists to overcome this hurdle because it's clearly shown to be unconstitutional at this point. Uh, federal law definitely preempts state law. That said, the way they wrote the law, they were trying to be very clever. It, it never mentions the words foie gras. They're not found in the law. Uh, it doesn't ban possession. It doesn't ban cooking. Uh, it doesn't ban people from bringing it into the state. So the law is, is, is vague. The law poorly defines what it's trying to do. Uh, and it was in only a matter of time till I think it really uh, 
melted under the glare of good legal scrutiny. And you, as I understand it, and certainly other restaurants, had been serving it, just not charging for it, just uh, putting it out there as an option for people well, sometimes. Or as a little, when you uh, read appetizer. the law, it clearly doesn't ban uh, possession of foie gras, although the activists wanted the uh, judges in my case to uh, uh, prohibit me from possessing foie gras. It's clearly not <laughs> called for, but it's just a matter. It's a function of their tendency to overreach. But I, I early on uh, knew that I would continue to advocate to overturn or change the law or perhaps get it thrown out in court. Uh, it didn't really matter to me much how we, went up, how, how we ended up achieving the result, whether the legislature passed a better new law or whether courts found the current one to be invalid as they did. Either result would have been fine with me. Um, I decided early on that to maintain my standing in Sacramento if I was going to go lobby uh, aggressively uh, both uh, houses of the legislature, that it would suit me to be perhaps defying the law um, in spirit, but certainly honoring the letter of the law. And to that end, we took foie gras off the menu uh, and have not sold it again until last week when the decision came down throwing the, um, throwing the law essentially in the garbage. Why are you and, and so many other chefs around the state so passionate about this? Certainly, it's, it would be easy to say, well, it's a stupid law, and we just, you know, we'll have plenty of other things to cook and plenty of other wonderful food to serve. Why did it matter so much to you and, and to so many of your colleagues? Well, because we don't, we think long and hard about the choices that we make. Uh, we are very, very fortunate, especially in California and especially in the Bay Area, to have access to some really great products. Uh, we work with some really great purveyors. I have visited duck farms. I have visited uh, all n multiple foie gras farms. I've visited sturgeon farms. I've visited egg-laying facilities. Um, chefs know a lot about farming. They know a lot about their sources. Uh, many of them have visited foie gras farms the way I did some 30 years ago, and, and I have continued to visit foie gras farms and take my staff for them to see with their own eyes. So chefs are actually highly educated about this issue. They know a lot about where their products come from, and they know, as I know, that foie gras farms in the United States don't use confinement cages, uh, treat the animals extremely well, and it's a product of which we can all be very proud, and it's a product we all really love to work with. So we don't have any patience for the propaganda and the people that are trying to spin it that don't have an honest argument. To what extent do you think that you and your colleagues have been successful, not just in getting the law overturned, but in trying to educate the public about exactly what you're talking about in terms of what really goes on in creation of the product? We certainly have not been as successful as I would like. There's a lot of work still to do. Um, seems people's mind is, is pretty much made up one way or the other. On the one hand, I mean, I respect people's uh, choice to be vegan or vegetarian. Uh, we serve a delicious vegetable tasting menu. I cook for vegans and vegetarians all the time. Um, I'm a free speech absolutist. Uh, save incendiary hate speech and crying fire in a, in a theater. You know, free speech to me is a real absolute. So I respect people's, you know, opinions and their right to disagree with what I think. But we do have a lot more work to educate people, and we need to have a larger discussion about the food chain and raising meat in this country. Foie gras is not the problem. Uh, there are many 
many improvements we could make in the food chain. Uh, factory farming is, on the one hand, the only way that we're really going to feed the world. But on the other hand, there's certainly room for lots of improvement. And I think you'll find that chefs are going to be ones that push to make those improvements. And uh, if the activists would step back for a minute and perhaps relax their dogma a bit, I think they might find that some of the best chefs in California would indeed be their allies in trying to make things better. Where are the areas that you personally are concerned about? If you were had the time and were to be active in certain areas, what would you uh, take up in addition to uh, the foie gras battle? Well, certainly animals raised for meat. I have no problem eating animals raised for meat. But we do, we do owe them uh, a pleasant life. We owe them a swift and merciful death. Uh, we need to make sure that it's done in ways that it doesn't destroy the environment. Uh, we need to make sure that we do it in ways that we're not dependent on antibiotics and hormones. Uh, antibiotics in animal food is a huge problem. Um, it's exacerbated by family farming, or I'm sorry, by, by factory farming. Uh, it's something we need to take a much harder look at. Talk a little bit about foie gras and all of the various things that are created from it, some of the dishes, some of the things that you do with it. Well, you know, the duck is really, it's a very noble animal. Uh, it has been a keystone species in the uh, human uh, diet for a very, very long time. It is one of those species that uh, we, we waste nothing. We absolutely use the entire bird. Uh, feathers are used, bones are used, fat is used, legs make confit, breasts make magret. Uh, you eat the tongues, you eat the feet. So it's a, it's a, it's a really noble bird that we honor by uh, using entirely. I know that's very difficult for some people to appreciate, Thinking is hard. The fact of the matter is the most delicious part is the liver, uh, is foie gras. It is, uh, just happens to be one of the most sublime flavors and textures uh, that I've ever encountered. It is flat-out delicious. And talk a little bit about the way that it's normally prepared for those people that may not be familiar with it. Well, in Europe, the most common way to prepare foie gras, whether it's goose or duck, which are the two birds that are most uh, often raised for foie gras, uh, is, is prepared cold in a terrine. It's, a very, it's delicious. It's very subtle flavor. It's a luxurious uh, texture, uh, but it, it is very subtle. Uh, Americans tend to have more taste for sharper, brighter flavors and textures. Uh, you won't find lots of Americans eating poached Dover sole. They tend to like things crispy and spicy and crunchy and hot and sour. It has to do a lot with our melting pot of, of, of culinary influence. Uh, in the United States, uh, I believe more often than not, it is served hot, seared. Um, it's certainly the most popular way we do it. You get a nice mahogany brown, slightly crunchy crust on the outside and a melting-like butter on your tongue, texture on the inside. It's really hard to top. Do you think this is it for the battle, that it will just fade away right now? Well, I think it's, I think we're at the end game in terms of the activists. Uh, they, they will continue to uh, protest, no doubt. Uh, but legally, I think they have a pretty high bar to clear here. And, and at the end of the day, it's going to be hard for them to convince the legislature to ban it again. Uh, they barely got away with it last time. The law has proved to be problematic at best. 
Not a single prosecution of any chef or anyone else, for that matter, that I know of has occurred in the two-plus years that it was in effect uh, because it's so deeply flawed. And they simply can't make a credible case that foie gras, as produced at the best farms in the United States, uh, of which there are really only a couple, um, is a cruel product. There are lots of, lots of people besides me who have visited foie gras farms who will testify to the uh, humane practices that they've seen and come away finding that there's really no problem with the, ducks are, the way the ducks are treated. And to your point, it really is limited production. Foie gras is not something that there's any kind of factory farming. No, foie gras is very much of a, of a, of a niche industry. Uh, there are a handful of foie gras farms in the United States today. Literally, you can count them on less than the fingers of one hand. There is no National Foie Gras Farmers Association. There's no, they, they don't have nearly the resources of any of the other large agricultural commodities. Uh, another reason that they're such an easy target to take advantage of. Ken Frank, I thank you so much for coming in and for telling us a little bit more about foie gras and about the battle that you've been engaged in that seems to be victorious. Thank you for having me. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now.